And I was like, wow, this is really cool stuff. Just the whole investing aspect, having cash flow. You're listening to the We Love Equity Real Estate Show, a podcast that discusses the intricacies of real estate investing with your host, Marcus E. Maloney. Marcus is a real estate investor best known for being the equity king. He's been awarded that moniker because he and his team find amazing real estate deals. He will be talking with investors who have done some transformational things in the real estate industry. They'll discuss their process, their strategies, and how their investments transform their lives and the communities they invest in. We welcome you to the We Love Equity Real Estate Show. Hello, Equity Real Estate family, and We Love Equity Real Estate family. Today, I have a very special guest. We're going to do something a little bit different. I have Jeremy Bourgeois here, and he's from the Upper Northeast, uh, specifically Connecticut, and he is a wholesaler, uh, and he's actually in the midst of doing his first fix and flip. So, guys, I wanted to come from a different perspective. I know we normally have experienced investors in, but today I want to talk to someone that's just getting started some of the things that he's doing, what it took for him to get started as a wholesaler and as a real estate investor. So grab your pen, grab your paper, get ready to take some notes. Jeremy is really going to uh, drop some gems down for us on today. And as you can see, I'm working remotely. I'm not in my home office. I had to do some unexpected travel, but we still want to make sure we get this content out to you. So Jeremy, Jeremy, welcome to the show, man. How are you today? Thanks, Marcus. I'm great. How about yourself? Thanks for having me, by the way. Thank you. I'm doing great, doing great, man. So you just got started wholesaling about three months ago. You're trying to secure all of your financing and everything on your first flip. So before we get into that, give me a little bit of your backstory. I know you were in the Marines. Kind of bring us up to speed and introduce us to Jeremy. Okay. Yeah. So I'm in, I'm in Putnam, Connecticut right now. And this is where I was born and raised was in uh, Northeastern Connecticut. And so I lived here my whole life. And about five years ago, I joined the Marine Corps. I was, I took like a semester of college and then decided it wasn't for me. I joined the Marine Corps and I lived out in California for a while. And I actually just got back home in December. And that's where I started doing my real estate investing. I closed on my first rental property, did my first wholesale deal, and now I'm in the midst of getting my first flip under contract. Well, we actually have it under contract. We're waiting for it to close and get the financing for it. So in three months, you went from not doing anything in real estate to closing your first wholesale deal, closing on your first real estate rental and now you're working on your first flip how did you do it so quickly what what was some of the things that you did to where you were able to accomplish so much so quick a lot of preparation and uh saving up a lot lot of money and just getting my mindset right Uh, last year i kind of made the decision early on in the year to that i was going to get into real estate and so what I did was I lived that whole year just very frugally. I saved up as much money as I possibly could so that I could put that into my first real estate transaction and actually come out of the military and be able to know what I'm doing and be able to have the resources to be able to do it. So I think it takes a good amount of preparation if you want to do something like that. You can't just, I mean, you, you probably could just jump right into real estate, but it's, you know, entrepreneurship is just something that you need to be prepared to do. And it's, quite a bit different, at least in my experience, from, you know, being in the Marine Corps or having a job. And it's, I mean, I love it so far. Okay. So you basically took a whole year, all of 2019, studied, prepped, saved up money. And then you said, okay, 2020 is time to take action. What prepped you in 2019 to say, hey, I want to do real estate investing versus staying in the Marine Corps, staying, you know, doing a, you know, making military your, your career. Right. So I actually came home on leave, I believe for Christmas leave of um, 2018. And I saw one of my friends and I came back home and he was talking about 
you know, real estate and, you know, this and that. And he was just super excited about it. And I was like, I was like, I gotta, I gotta get on what this guy's on. So, you know, I started reading up on it and I was like, wow, this is really cool stuff. Just the whole investing aspect, having cash flow, eventually living off of your cash flow and entrepreneurship, running your own business, you know, setting your own schedule. I was just all about it. And that's what I was looking for when I, when I got out of the military. So I made the decision to just buckle down and spend that last year that I was in the Marines to just prepare for when I got out. Okay. All right. So you had a friend that really just kind of drove it home and said, Hey man, I'm getting into real estate. I'm looking at doing this. What, what areas or what did you use as a tool for you to learn about real estate investing? Was it a certain book? Was it, you know, a podcast? What was it that really that you used to help provide that education for you? Right. Uh, it was definitely, I think the first thing that I started with was just listening to the Big Pockets podcasts, um, listening to those. So I would be, you know, if I was in the car or even if I wasn't in the car, I'd try to listen to, you know, a podcast a day or that as well as reading, you know, reading like books like Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Thinking Go Rich, kind of like the mindset, the mindset shift kind of books that kind of just put you in the, the right mindset. I, I feel like you need to be in a certain mindset to be able to do some of this stuff successfully. So when I talk to a lot of people, because I talk to quite a few people that's just getting started, and I try and tell them, hey, you know, the majority of it is all mental. It's making that mindset shift, you know, living frugally, you know, instead of going out buying a 500 series, you know, BMW, hey, go and get the Nissan Altima, drive that and that extra money starts setting it aside. So when you were setting it aside, did you catch any flack from friends, family members? Hey, Jeremy, what are you doing? You know, kind of what was, because it's, it's a shift. So how did that yeah. shift transpire? Yeah, I mean, it was like, it just turned into, for me, like going out on the weekends and just going out to eat all the time. You know, my friends would like ask me why I wasn't going out to eat with them or whatever. Like, oh, I'm trying to save money. And they'd ask, you know, why I'm saving money and I'd explain it. But no one really, no one really gets it unless they're actually doing the same thing. You know? And that's, I think that's kind of to be expected. Okay. So now tell me about, so you saved up your money. How, you know, just roughly, how much did you save up for that first? Because you started with the rental, right? Yes, sir. Okay. So, uh, so I actually, oh, sorry about that. Go ahead. No, go ahead. So how much did you save up? How did you find the deal? Let's kind of dig into that. Okay. So yeah, last year I saved, so I started with, this is when I started tracking my finances because I wasn't even doing that before. So I started with a net worth of about a thousand dollars. I think that was, you know, <laughs> like, okay. Uh, with, with my car, car expenses, you know, that subtracted from my actual cash that I had. So I was like, I was like, Oh, I really got to get this up. And I ended up, I think I got to about 28,000 by the end of the year. Um, and wow. what I actually did with that was my, my, the same buddy who I was talking about who kind of got me into the mindset shift. Um, like I was communicating with him pretty frequently and he was back home here in Connecticut and I was out in California and he was telling me about this great deal on a fourplex that he just, he couldn't figure out how to get it. And I'm like, I'm like, well, man, I mean, this, the deal sounds great. You know, I, I trusted him like we've been friends since third grade. And I, I, was, I was like, how about we just co-sign? And uh, I didn't, I didn't even realize what I was saying. I didn't realize what that meant. Like I was actually going to okay. you know, be like a part owner of this place. So we ended up doing it and I was over in California signing the paperwork for it across on the other side of the United States. Um, it took us a little while to close. It took us a very long time actually to close on it, about four to five months. Um, just because we had to, the, the deal fell through like, like two or three times. And then, but it, it takes a lot okay. of perseverance that I feel like to get some of these things going. So we had to, we had to go through a couple periods of just, thinking that we had lost the deal and we were like just completely destroyed and then it would come back and you know so we ended up closing in February and that was our first that was the first deal that we did and put down about 17,000 into that 
Okay. So um, let me kind of rehash. So you started with $1,000, you saved up, and you saved up $28,000 just by making a few different lifestyle changes, not going out as much, you know, not partying while everybody else is partying. You were saving that money. And then because you were saving that money, that opportunity came to you about the fourplex. So this is what I tell people. I say, hey, when you set in your mind to do something and you start taking action towards it, some of these things will automatically start coming to you. You wasn't out looking for a fourplex. A fourplex found you, you know? Um, exactly. So you had the money. And then not only that, you had the pers perseverance. The deal was falling through. You know, it came back to life. It fell through. It came back to life. And then not only that is, you're in California. This deal is in Connecticut, I'm assuming, correct? Yes, sir. So completely 3,000 miles away, and you're still, as a newbie, saying, okay, I'm going to take the risk. I'm going to do the deal. Well, right there, a lot of people will hesitate, and they will say, you know what? I don't have the money. You know, it's, I never invested in a, in a fourplex. I'm in California. The property is in, in Connecticut. How am I going to manage it? Should I trust my buddy? Giving them 17K. You know, so there's a lot of things you have to overcome just in this first deal. Um, so how much of a mindset shift helped you with, you know, overcoming these risks? Because you, you took a huge risk on, on, on this. Yeah, um, I would I would have to say that's like a hundred percent of it is was the mindset shift. You know, without that, I don't think I would be able to. I, well, I wouldn't have even wanted to. You know, save up the money to invest um, to you know start closing deals. So I think that that's definitely where it all starts is just the mindset and have you need a lot of perseverance. Um, mm -hmm. I, th I think especially I, I don't know at least in my in my situation and in you know, people, other people's situations at first starting out, I think it takes a little bit to get your foot in the door, but I think as you do, it gets a little bit easier as you go. I mean, at least as I've heard, I'm still pretty new. But. Okay, great, great, great. So now you have this fourplex. Uh, what was the numbers on it? I know you said you put 17K down. Kind of what was the acquisition cost? How much was, how much did you guys buy it for? Yeah, so we ended up getting it for $252,000. The $17,000 was the total down payment. Uh, we got it with an FHA loan, and it actually appraised a little bit lower, so we had to put in an extra $7,000. Um, so that was, that was where the $17,000 came from. Okay, so you guys got an FHA loan. So I'm, a, I'm assuming that your friend basically was house hacking. He had to live in one unit? Okay. Yes, sir. All right, so your buddy lived in one unit. Was the building occupied at all or was it completely vacant? Completely full. It was completely oh. full. So we had, we had it all rented out. Okay, sweet, sweet. So your friend was living in one unit. You got three other um, units being rented. What was the cash flow on that property? So right now we're, we're at 3,050. That's if he wasn't living in that one unit. So we're at about... Uh, 2,500 right now, and okay. our expenses come to 1,700. So we're we're cash flowing about $800 a month right now. Okay, cash flow about $800 a month. Um, hey, that's that's pretty good. You know, you're you're basically going to get that 17k back. You know, pretty quickly. Yeah. Your you know internal rate of return is going to be you know substantial. You should get that back in two years, maybe three years, and then you have this property you know, that's FHA. So what are you, so are you the primary owner or is your, your partner, I'm assuming your partner has to be vested in the deal in order for you guys to go FHA, correct? Correct. We are 50-50 on the deal right now and he manages the property. Okay. He manages the property. You're the equity partner. Um, let's see, how did you guys find those tenants those are the existing tenants that's dear how did those that transition okay how did that transition take place because i know it can be a little difficult sometimes when you have the, the old owners leaving and new owners coming in and you guys i 
Jeremy, how old are you? 24, 23. 23. 23. So you're a young guy. You're aggressive. You're getting out there. How did that transition take place between you guys and the tenant? Um, it, it was it was a little weird when we first got there just because, um, you know, some of our tenants are like more than twice my age. So, you know, you yep, know when I'm yep. like, hey, I'm the new landlord. Um, but it was pretty cool. Plus, uh, so like ha- some of our tenants only speak, uh, they, they speak Portuguese. And luckily, okay. my partner, he speaks Portuguese as well. So and he's the property manager. So he does most of the communication. So, you know, when I got there, I was. I, I was kind of just like shaking hands and just, yeah. you know, having them translate for me, but it, it was Take a pretty funny seat. scenario all around. Yeah. Well, that's good that your partner speaks Portuguese because now there's no language barrier and it helps build rapport, you know, between you guys as the owners and the tenants. Okay, sweet, sweet. So where did you find that financing? You did FHA, did you just do, you know, a mortgage broker or went to a local bank? How did you guys? do the finance yeah so we had a we had a really great lender yeah and he he was a mortgage broker and we started with i believe it was i think uh, my partner bruno started with i think fha and that fell through and that's when i came onto the deal and then we tried to it was supposed to be conventional and we, we were going for about two months on conventional and then that fell through so we had to switch up the loan types but like I was saying, our lender was really great and he stuck with, stuck it out the whole way. And he, he was like, he's very committed to getting the deal done. Um, so we did, we had to switch it like two or three times, but we ended up coming back to FHA. I wish I could have done VA um, just because, you know, 0% down yep. would have been yep. the best. But um, since my partner wasn't in the military, that wasn't an option. Gotcha. Gotcha. So you found this mortgage broker, you guys, Started conventional, it failed through. You guys had to go back uh, to FHA. Exactly, that goes back to that perseverance. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you was, how did you guys find the property? Was it listed on an MLS or was it an off-market deal? How did you guys find it? So it was actually an off-market deal. And uh, we, we got that from my realtor right now. Um, he's, he's really great. He finds a lot of off market properties just for investors specifically. So, I mean, my partner Bruno already had, he already had all these connections before I even showed up. So I was able to leverage all of that before I even came here. And, you know, he, he ran all the numbers for me here. And then like, obviously I re- re-ran them on my end, but wow. it was very easy to see that we had, you know, a pretty good deal. I think it would have been probably quite a bit worse if it wasn't off market. Okay. So with it being FHA, um, because I'm trying to see how the deal structure is, is the property primarily in your partner's name or is it? And, it's in mine. And yours? Okay. All right. Ooh, okay. So how is that possible? Because I know it's FHA and normally with FHA loans, you have to be a, you have to live in, well, you're living in the property now. You moved from California and you're back in Connecticut, correct? Yes, sir. Okay. Okay. That was one of the things I wanted to clarify. I'm like, okay, how's Jeremy in California? <laughs> the property is in Connecticut and it's FHA. All right. Right. Yeah. Okay, guys. So just to clarify, um, if you guys are wondering what we're talking about, FHA is a federal loan. It's a federally backed loan and you have to be an owner occupant in the property in order to qualify for an FHA loan. And that FHA loan gives you an opportunity to bring a lower down payment to the table. It's easier. Well, on paper, it's easier for financing. So just keep that in mind. If you're looking to get started as a real estate investor, and let's just say if you're renting now, and you want to go and buy a home, why not use that same financing and look at a duplex or three unit or all the way up to four units is considered, you know, it's a small multifamily, but you can use residential financing for it. Okay. So you guys got this fourplex, you're living in it. You guys got the cash flow going on. Have you ran into any problems since you own the property oh, yeah. yet? <laughs> All right, so let's kind of talk about that. What yeah. are the issues that you got there? 
Yeah, so we've just we've had uh, one tenant who on our first month that we got the place, um, you know, he he didn't put pay rent on the first month, and that was March first. I think that was actually before the whole COVID thing started. So you know, the fir our first thing was like, well, let's go talk to the old landlord. So we went and talked to him, and he's like, he's you know, he's one of my partner's old friends, and he's like, well this guy he's a pretty good guy and he's good for it so he'll pay you eventually i think so far we've seen about 500 bucks and he owes us almost close to two thousand dollars and there's not really anything wow. that we can do about it because um you know because of just the virus going on right now okay. but he, he has been he's made an effort to start paying again so we'll see how it goes it's just and that's one of the things when it is a transition of ownership, a lot of times, or I don't want to say a lot of times, I found it, you know, in some of the deals that we've done that some tenants will try and take that first month off without paying rent. Like, well, I didn't know, or I thought I was supposed to pay it to the old landlord. It's in the mail, all of that kind of stuff. And they're just testing you to see where your tolerance level is as far as the rent. but right now it's you know a unique situation because of covid so it's not like you can send out the five-day notice and evict and everything like that um so yeah you guys are in in a peculiar you know situation right now but that's what it takes when it comes to being a landlord you, you always have to find ways to work around and and solve problems so okay anything else going on with this property not really. That's about it. The rest of our tenants are paying. They're they're great. And uh, we actually just found out uh, they started a big construction project right across the street, like less than a couple months after we got the place. And they're actually building a new town hall right across the street. So we probably just made about fifty-two dollars to $100,000 in equity. That's perfect. That's perfect. You know, sometimes it pays to just be lucky, right? <laughs> yeah, that oh, was great. <laughs> yep, but it goes back to taking that action. You know, again, you took the action to save the money, the fourplex came to you. You took action on the fourplex to close on it. Now you got, you know, sizable equity coming into the property. So, you got this fourplex. How did you how did you transition over into wholesaling, man? Where did that come from? Uh, it's just uh that that one is like it was totally on a whim as as interesting as that sounds because i was i came back and i was trying to figure out what i was going to do because i was trying to go full-time on, on real estate investing and i wanted to flip properties and what i was planning on doing was just getting a bartending job like part-time and then flipping the rest of the time but um my partner who i'm now working with he just out of the blue I, I forget how we got to this point, but he just asked me if I wanted to start a wholesaling business. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. And then like within a week, we, you know, filed for our LLC, started marketing and that was that. And we've just been doing it since then. It's been great. So you, so you really didn't know much about wholesaling. Your partner just came <laughs> to me and was like, let's do this new thing. <laughs> yeah, that was it. Okay. That was it. All right. So see guys, I, I, and, and I want to tell you guys as the listeners, sometimes you don't have to have everything completely planned out. You know, the main thing like Jeremy is saying is you have to take action. You know, if you have these ideas, execute on those ideas. Yes, do some research, find out a little bit of information. But once you feel that you have enough to get started, take action. Don't get stuck in analysis paralysis of what i gotta do how i'm gonna do this you know and everything like that so you guys started marketing jeremy what kind of marketing were you doing kind of give me a rundown on your wholesale business because you're just getting started so this is great for the listeners to hear how you guys got started yeah yeah and and i think before i even uh talk on that uh just our whole business structure so my partner was my realtor so that's how like he had he has the knowledge you know and i had the time so that was that was where the partnership was established where i would be putting in you know all kinds of time and he'd be able to determine values and properties um you know offering prices stuff like that negotiations 
Um, and that's kind of where we, we made the partnership. So we started with just a lot of, a lot of grunt work and I was just driving, driving for dollars a lot. Um, okay. I've been in my car for like 12, 13 hours a day, just, just driving around looking for properties and, um, yeah, just pounding the pavement, doing that. And then, you know, building our lists so that we can send uh, direct mail there. And we'd send okay. handwritten handwritten letters, so I'd just be sitting there all day writing up letters. Writing letters. Okay, so you guys started with driving for dollars, doing a small little um, direct mail campaign. So what happened once you got all of these addresses and you sent these letters out? What happened? So we sent them out, and then we, you know, we started getting some responses back. Eventually, it was a little bit slow. They'd trickle in, but that was mostly just because they'd trickle in at, you know, the rate that we're sending the letters up. Because it, it is a numbers game at the end of the day, and you know, you get some people who come in. Um, you know, we were having them email us, so those people would, you know, sometimes they'd be good, and sometimes they'd be bad. We'd set some appointments, go see their places, and determine what our offering price is going to be. And most of those offers get rejected. Um, and that's, that's yep. just another part is, you know, it's really, it's a funnel. So you have to get, get it from your, your prospects the people that you're looking at buying their places to submitting offers to, you know, maybe they'll get accepted, maybe they'll get rejected. So how many, how many offers, or first of all, how many direct mail pieces were you sending out? Were you sending out 50, 25, 100? Kind of what was what was your volume? Um, I believe in the first month we probably sent out just about three hundred. Um, okay. Our second second month was more as I believe about four hundred to five hundred, but it wasn't a crazy crazy number. Okay, and the reason why I ask is because a lot of people have this misconception because they hear you know all of the big people saying you know I'm sending out ten thousand pieces of mail I'm sending out 5,000 pieces of mail or, you know, I'm, I'm touching 100,000 people through via, you know, cold calling or text messaging. And I always tell people, you have to start where you're at. I started with a small little $200 first premier credit card and I would send out 50 handwritten letters a week, you know, and then those 50 started doubling to 100 to 300 to 500 so guys you have to listen start where you're at you know if you only got a couple of hundred bucks start with that you know just like jeremy said they would drive for dollars and they would send out 300 pieces a month 400 pieces a month and you had to go through all of that rejection so let me ask you this if you what if you didn't do a lot of the mindset shifting in the beginning how would you have handled all of that rejection coming from those sellers? Oh, geez. Well, I mean, I could still handle it way better than I do. I mean, one of my, one of my areas that I, I definitely need improvement in is just like, <laughs> like, like talking to sellers. Um, but it, it's, it is great. You know, it's something that you have to do. It's like non-negotiable. If you're going, if you're going to wholesale or find off market properties or, you know, be a real estate agent even, it's just one of those things that you have to do. And it's, it is, it's a little bit challenging, you know, at least for, from my perspective, um, just to, to get in there and talk to someone about buying their house. And I don't know, just, just in general, that's, that's how I feel about it. And, and that's, that's one of the hardest parts that people, it's hard for them to understand is I have to pick up the phone and I have to talk to people on the phone. When I first got started, my wife will tell you, I never talked on the phone. I was, you know, I would get on the phone. Each conversation would be five minutes, maybe 10 minutes tops. You know, now I've become so comfortable being on the phone. I'm not on the phone as much because we have a team. But when I am on the phone, you know, I get all of the pertinent information. You know, I can be on the phone for 20, 30 minutes. You know, although I can get all of the pertinent information in 10 minutes, but it's that whole process of building that rapport, talking to these people and making them feel comfortable with you. So guys, I'm here to let you know, if you're afraid to be on the phone, don't go on the wholesaling. I'm just gonna flat out tell you right now, um, real estate is relationship and rapport building business. 
you have to have those relationships, you know, as Jeremy said. So, Jeremy. Absolutely. You're doing this driving for dollars. You're sending out postcards. Tell me, how did you find that first deal and what was it? All right. So it was a single family and we, you know, we got a response from motivated seller and we went and checked out her place and it was just, uh, I believe she lived down the road and I forget how exactly why she even had the place. I think she was planning on flipping it and she went through a uh, divorce with her husband or something. Um, so he was probably the one that was going to be flipping it, but it was in her name, I'm assuming. So we, we uh, submitted her offer for it. She came back with a counter offer and then we came back with another counter offer. And that is, that is how we got our first deal. Okay. So one thing that you said that was key right there, guys, that I want you to hear is Jeremy was talking to a motivated seller that was in a need to sell situation versus a want to sell situation. You have to be able to underline and identify the difference. A lot of times when Absolutely. sellers call you or they respond, they just want to sell. Hey, I'm just curious, you know, what you offer me on this house. But when you have a situation where, like your seller, they were going through a flip, she got divorced, she has a lot of other things going on in her life, and this property is just one other situation that she needs to get off of her table, off, you know, off of her plate, and you guys happen to hit her at the right time. So Jeremy, what were kind of the numbers, you know, on this on this wholesale deal? How much you guys get it under contract for? How much you guys ended up pitching it back out to another uh, buyer for? Right, so we actually, our first offer was for $35,000 and that's where she came back with uh, $43,000. And we, you know, we took a look back at it and we submitted another counter offer for $37,750 and that's what got accepted. Um, so, you know, we, we had it under contract for $37,750. Now we're, we're trying to find buyers, right? Because you know, like what comes first, the chicken or the egg? It's like, it doesn't matter, you gotta find it. So as far as finding buyers and, and finding sellers. So we're out here trying to find a buyer for this place. Um, where where and, were you guys going? Where were you guys going to try and find this buyer? What were you doing? Um, I, my, my, my partner had some personal connections that he was going through. Um, and then also like, like we were just hitting up a lot of personal connections and through like Facebook, um, like Facebook investor groups and stuff like that. We, we showed it a couple of times and it was the last day. The contract was like four hours from expiring um, until we, we had, until our assignment uh, period ran out. And we had someone come check out the place and, and he decided to take it. Yeah, we wholesaled it for, uh, he purchased it for, for $43,000. So, I mean, imagine if we would have gotten the place for $43,000, we, we would have made nothing. So that's where yep. the, uh, you have to be, you know, kind of on the ball with your, with your offers and counter offers. Numbers. Was, was it, and, and I want to ask you this, especially being a, a newer wholesaler, was it a little frightening to make that first offer at $35,000? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Um, <laughs> we, we, I, I forget how we submitted the offer. If it was over the phone, I, I don't believe it was in person. Um, okay. I think it, it was either over the phone or I, I didn't do it. I was, I was with, I was with my partner and he actually, he was the one submitting, you know, kind of showing me how, how to do it. He's, he's done stuff like this before. So, um, that's, okay. that's how that came about. But still from my perspective, I was like, Oh, I get, I'm going to be doing this in the future. So, you know, Yep. Yep. So, so the first step that's hard is finally making that phone call to the seller, having that conversation. The next hard step is really getting those numbers dialed in and making that offer. Because I was always taught if you're not embarrassed of the number that you're going to offer, you're offering too high, you know? So going yeah. into it, if you felt comfortable, you know, at $35,000 or at 43, if she said, you know, 43 and you say, okay, we'll take 43, then you know, you're, you're not doing a justice, you know, to that seller and to your buyers and to yourself. So you, you're going to be a little uneasy when you're making that initial offer. And with that being said, the next hard part is, like you said, you're going through this inspection period. Okay. I got to find this buyer. You know, and a lot of people do not want to take that risk. You know, that's why 
Some people say, no, find the buyers first versus the deal. I'm always on the, I'm always on the side of finding both. When you're out there finding your deals, go out there and start finding buyers also. So you guys scrambled, found that buyer, and you guys made some money at the end. Did that finally make you a believer in, in what you were doing? Oh, yeah, it did. It was, it was great when we finally went down to the bank and actually deposited the check. It was, it was a really good feeling. And this is within your first 90 days of being a real estate investor. You closed on the fourplex and you made what? almost six grand on a on a wholesale deal and jeremy knew literally almost nothing about wholesaling at that point <laughs> so guys yeah it's definitely <laughs> possible it's definitely possible so jeremy what are you guys doing now so we actually just yesterday we added um my partner who's my partner on the fourplex that i was talking about um, he just came onto the business with us. So now we, we've got, you know, three, three different people in the business. We've kind of done some, some reorganization of, of our business structure. Um, so, you know, he's the one who's usually on the phone talking to, to sellers and everything. And then I, I'm running all, all the analytics on the business, seeing um, what works, what doesn't work. And then my other partner is um, kind of just uh, in charge of like the research and the development of all the business. Okay. All right, so we perfect. just did this kind of 180 turn with it, with it instead of everyone doing everything, you know. And then you guys are in the midst of trying to, you guys have a have a deal under contract that you want to do your first fix and flip. How is it going with that? So we've, <laughs> we were supposed to close on it back in, I believe, February or, or early March. And we, we filed two extensions on it. Uh, the lender that we were originally going to use he stopped lending just because of the pandemic yep. and he was you know that was our best option because he, he was a private lender um you know just that that's just mm -hmm. it was it was the best financing option we were going to get um we started reaching out to all kinds of hard money lenders i have no idea how many have called, called a lot <laughs> and we just <laughs> you know gotten on the phone with, with like all of them <laughs> all, all the hard money lenders and uh we, we've just been talking i mean it's it's a great deal but like um most people just aren't lending right now because the whole pandemic and if they are lending they won't be lending to people who are going on contract for their first flip so what we're trying to do right now is find a partner so that we can joint venture someone who has a little bit more experience or who at least has um the capital the, the extra capital so that we can fund the entire purchase price as well as the repair costs. Okay. So you might want to go back to that to that first uh buyer on your first wholesale deal and say, hey, I got a deal that's in the pipelines. This is kind of where we're at. Would you be interested in partnering on it? So that's one option. And I do understand yeah. what you're talking about. Um because I had a deal, uh well we had a deal that we were working on and the guy that was going to do the flip, he bought houses from us before. And with COVID, his private lender just stopped lending. And then he went to a hard money lender. And because of COVID, the hard money lenders were putting in a buffer on their appraisals. So the property didn't appraise out because of what the lender requirements were. So we were now in the midst of trying to close out this transaction with one of our premier buyers and everything kind of fell apart. Well, put the deal back out there. I actually, because I'm in, I'm in Chicago right now, I actually went and met the buyer, a new buyer at the property and he got it locked up and going to be closing on next week. So I'm telling everybody and you this, Jeremy, that there's going to be obstacles, man, when you're, when you're going through this, there's going to be roadblocks, but it's, how you overcome those roadblocks really sets you up for success. So that's what you guys are doing on this flip now. So yeah, continue to go to other buyers that you know that are buying out there and see if they'll be willing to pull the trigger. How much time do you have on your contract or on your inspection period before you got to cancel this contract? Uh, I believe we have about 12, 12 to 14 days. So it's, it's, you know, it's up and coming. So we, we've been just 
I, we've been just calling all kinds of people, um, try, trying to trying to make it work. And that's, you know, if it doesn't, it doesn't, at least we can say we, we tried our best on it. But I, I have confidence. I think that we're going to be able to get it done and find someone who wants to do it with us, especially with the, the urgency of the time once it gets a little bit closer and everyone's like, like, all right, now we really start, like, because there's three of us who are out here, you know, asking people who want to either fund it or do a joint venture. And it's, it's a great deal. So it's like, yep. you know. Have you guys, have you guys used Facebook at all to uh, post the property and to try and get it moved? Like in Facebook groups, investor friendly Facebook groups? No, we actually haven't. It's not something that we've, that we've tried. There you go. I sold yeah. um, quite a few of my deals by just joining Facebook groups. So put in, you know, Putnam, Connecticut, or, you know, anywhere in Connecticut, join those Facebook groups, let people know that you had this deal. And those guys, that's where instant buyers are, is these different Facebook yeah. groups. So, and then also put it out there on Instagram. I, I tell people, you know, you definitely want to start using your social profiles and start talking about real estate, start talking about what you're doing, and then people will start being attracted to your social profile and you'll be able to move deals through, you know, through Instagram, through YouTube, through Twitter, things like that. So there Absolutely. you go. There's, there's a, a couple of free resources for you right there, Jeremy. <laughs> Thanks, Marcus. Yeah, I'm definitely right. going to use that. So what do you, you, you have a team of three. What are you guys, what's, what's your goal for your whole real estate company? for our whole real estate company. Um, so right now we're just working on, the, the biggest aspect is, is the wholesaling right now. We're getting our foot in the door. Um, Cause once we start, you know, having a consistent pipeline of deals that we got flowing through every month, then we're gonna start funding flips. Um, so once we start funding those flips, you know, it's gonna be the same thing. So we'll start with one and then use the, the capital that we get from that one to fund maybe two. And then, you know, continue to scale in that aspect and then use those flips to fund our rental properties and then just kind of building as we go and moving up into commercial properties. And we want to do developing as well, like long-term, that's, that's all like, like way down the road. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Well, you guys are definitely headed towards success. Uh, you know how to overcome, you know, and persevere anytime there's any roadblocks or, you know, troubleshoot different situations. So Jeremy, we'll take a quick break. We'll hear a word from our sponsors. And when we come back, we'll ask some follow-up questions and then we'll go right into our hot seat questions. So here's a, quick, yep, here's a quick um, word from our sponsor. PropString is the industry's number one tool for locating distressed properties and connecting with highly motivated sellers with 100% coverage across the U.S. PropStream provides a deep dive into any property's specific details, making it easy to generate lists of distressed properties and contact to the owners. No other product or service can compare. Gain access to MLS property details like expired listings. You can pull accurate comps, even sale prices in non-disclosure states. This information is typically reserved for licensed real estate professionals, but is also available to you in PropStream. Gain access to unlimited nationwide property search, comparable home sales, targeted marketing lists, and owner contact lookup, built-in marketing tools, hundreds of filters to search and sort leads. Start your free seven-day trial now by going to crowd.propstreampro.com slash we love it. Okay, Jeremy, we are back. So you're in Putnam, Connecticut. You're doing wholesaling, you, you're working on, about to do your first fix and flip, you purchased a fourplex, and you've, you've done all of this within your three month career as a real estate investor. So with that being said, what are some of the things that you can tell our listeners that's just starting out that they need to do in order to find success like you're a five? Yeah, right. So, I mean, not to repeat myself, but just what I was saying before, the whole, the whole mindset thing, I think is, is just huge. So doing your homework, you know, it's, it's not like you wouldn't go jump out of an airplane, you know, without knowing how to open the parachute, right? 
So you need to like study up, um, study up. It's important that have the, you know, capital necessary actually take some actionable steps, you know, call your lender or call, call a bunch of lenders, find a great lender that you can work with, find a great agent that you can work with. And that way you'll start have you'll have someone who can tell you, Hey, this is exactly how much you can spend on an investment property or, and then you can have someone, someone else who's bringing you deals. Um, you know, an agent or a wholesaler who's bringing you deals and that way you can actually analyze deals. You know, you might not buy it at first. I was analyzing deals for a while before I even decided on my first one. So I'm just taking actionable steps and they don't have to be huge steps, just, you know, taking those steps. Cause once you do, it starts compounding and accumulating and you'll start to see some results. Man, that's, that's, that's perfect right there, Jeremy. You said, you know, take action and, Another thing you said was just start analyzing deals. What I tell people that, that really want to get started as a wholesaler is join other wholesalers' buyers list. That way, when they send out a deal, you can look at that deal and you can evaluate it. Yes, you're not going to put an offer in on it or anything like that, but you can run comps on that property. See if they have a solid ARV. You can look and see from the pictures, hey, what do you think that the rehab cost is going to be you know things like that and you can track that deal all the way from the time it hits your inbox to the time that in buyer flips it and puts it on the market you know so that's a great way you know to really learn how to wholesale real estate and a great way to learn how to uh, run numbers on properties so jeremy we are going to jump into our hot seat question this is the hot seat. We have Jeremy right now on the hot seat. So real quick, Jeremy, going through these questions, answer them as quickly as possible. Starting over, what would you do different? Uh, use a VA loan. Use the VA loan. Perfect, perfect. What is the greatest commodity, your greatest commodity outside of capital? Uh, I don't know if I consider, if you consider real estate a commodity, that's probably my only other one. Real estate, I had stocks, but not real estate. Okay. All right. And what is one thing you could do to be more productive? Uh, just using my time better. Definitely. Okay. All right. And then what drives your ambition, man? It seems like you're going full throttle. What, what drives you? So I guess like big picture goal stuff. Um, I just, I want to be able to travel wherever, whenever, live off passive cash flow and give back to the world and, you know, actually be able to help people who are, who weren't as fortunate as I was. Perfect. Perfect. I mean, what do you believe is your greatest challenge, internal or external? What's your, your biggest challenge you believe? Um, right now at this time, I'd say just, um, my technical knowledge and also just talking to, to sellers. Um, and I, I know it's kind of cliche, like that's that, but that's like my biggest thing right now in life in general. Okay. It's like what I'm trying to overcome. Well, the more you talk to them, the easier it'll become. Believe me from a person that would only talk on the phone for five minutes. And I mean, that's with anybody. Um, it becomes a whole lot easier. Um, now we're looking for recommendations, Jeremy. What is it? What is the latest business book or real estate book that you've read that gets you fired up? Uh, how to win friends and influence people that I've been studying it like a textbook, like just, um, reading it and rereading it. And it's just, um, uh, I guess I don't even know if you'd consider it business or real estate, but it's just relationship building. And I guess how to be a good person. Okay. I will make sure I have that book in the show notes, how to influence, um, how to influence people. Friends say it again. I know I read the book. I can't even get the title. <laughs> it's uh, how to win friends and influence people by Dale Carnegie. You, by Dale Carnegie. Okay. I'll make sure I have that information in the show notes. And Jeremy, before we sign off here, what are some words of inspiration or some key value takeaways that listeners should have, especially those that are real estate novices just getting started? What can you, what can you share with us? 
Uh, this is again, cliche, but just take action, man, take action, persevere. Um, it's, it's difficult at, at the start, you know, um, there's just a lot of roadblocks in your way and you just have to just keep pounding the pavement and busting through them. Well, you guys, you hear directly from Jeremy, uh, newbie investor just getting started he says take action take action take action that's the only thing that's going to get you to where you're going so remember to take action so jeremy signing off here man i want to appreciate you i want to thank you for sharing with our listeners how can we get in touch with you how can we find you what's your social media handles you know where can we get in touch with you especially for newbies that's looking for some inspiration, how can we find you? Absolutely. And I love talking to people in general. So um, anyone can feel free to reach out. But Bigger Pockets, if you search me at, my name's kind of hard to spell. It's Jeremy, J E R E M Y, and Bourgeois, B O U R G E O I S. And my Instagram is jbourgeois96. And you can also search me on, on Facebook, Jeremy Bourgeois. All right, guys, there you go. If you want to hear from somebody that just got started, that's taking massive action, contact Jeremy. You have his social media handles. You have his bigger pockets handles. Get in touch with Jeremy. He'll definitely provide you some inspiration. Jeremy, I want to appreciate you again. Thank you for being on the We Love Equity Real Estate Show. And man, much success to you. Keep pushing forward, okay? Thanks, Francis. Appreciate you having me. All right, thank you guys. All right, guys, that was Jeremy Bourgeois from Putnam, Connecticut. As you can see, he's a young guy that's taking massive action. In three months, he closed on a fourplex, um, closed on a wholesale transaction, looking to do his first flip. So I don't know what you're waiting on. I don't know what else you have to learn. You have to take massive action and get out there and do it. So this is Marcus Maloney, the Equity King, signing off here. Remember to enjoy the journey. Please remember, if you like this content, give us a five-star rating and review. That way we can rise up the rankings and we can give you more content. And also follow us on YouTube at MRCS Maloney. And you know the social media handles, MRCS Maloney. Signing off, guys. Remember to enjoy the journey. Thank you.